Amen. The amazing grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, not of works, least any man should boast. Praise God. You have your Bibles this morning. Turn to the book of James, James chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 16 through 27 today as we began last week, a series that we've entitled, The Price of Maturing as a Christian. You see, salvation is free. Salvation, again, is a result of the amazing grace that God bestows upon us when we ask Him to forgive us of our sins, come into our life, be our Lord and Savior. That salvation is free. But if we are going to grow in Christ, if we are going to mature in Christ, trust me, it comes with a price. In this series, we're going to look at the prices that must be paid if one wants to grow and mature in Christ. Now, last week we began this series looking at the price that it costs, and we saw that sufferings and learning to endure during those times of suffering is a part of our growing and maturing in Christ. You know, we will never, we will never, never mature as Christ if we do not experience some times of suffering within our life. Each morning, I receive a uh, devotion from David Jeremiah, Dr. David Jeremiah of Turning Point Ministries. Some of you may receive uh, his uh, uh, daily devotions also. But in one of those uh, devotions here a while back, you know, it, it said this, quote, An experience was conducted in which a group of scientists observed some rats in a tank of water to see how long they would survive without drowning. They got a tank of water, they threw some rats in there, and they wanted to observe how long it would take before they would drown. The average time for the rats to die was 17 minutes. Within 17 minutes, they found the rats would quit struggling, and they would sink, and they would die. Now, they repeated the experiment, but this time rescuing the rats just before drowning. In other words, when the rats started to go under, they rescued them. They took them out of the water and they saved them. When the rescue rats were submerged in water again, get this, the average survival time was 36 hours. It went from uh, 17 minutes to 36 hours. Hmm. The scientists explain the reason for that is because the second time around, The rats had hope and believed they could survive because they had been saved before. Quote, end of quote. Look, unlike scientists, okay, God himself does not plunge us into survival situations. Okay? In fact, you know, he, he does not do that to us, but he says in the book of Lamentations, chapter 3 verse 33 that he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men in other words God does not willingly put us in water and allow us to drown okay he does not willingly bring these things upon us that we have to face in life but he does allow us to go through trials so that we may grow as Christians 
You see, during these difficult times, and we all go through difficult times, trust me, if you're here this morning and you haven't been through a difficult time, saddle up, it's coming. We all suffer difficult times within our life. And we all are going to experience that. But the thing is, we got to understand, God does not just bring these things upon us. He does allow us to suffer difficult times at times. You know, but when we do, we need to remember the faithfulness and compassion of the Lord. They are our source of hope when the waters of life threaten to overtake us. Look, no matter how hopeless we may feel when these things come upon us, the truth remains that God cares for us all the time and in every season of life. And he will be there to rescue us from these troubled waters. You see, but we've got to remember it's through these sufferings both trial sufferings and both temptation sufferings, that spiritual maturity is going to come about. Now, the next price we want to look at this morning is that of time spent in the Word of God. If you want to grow and mature as a child of God, if you want to mature in your walk with God, listen to me, it is going to entail you spending some time in the Word of God. It's going to entail you studying the Word of God. How sad it is that, that God made His Word available to us. Do you know how much blood was shed in order that you and I can have these 66 books? Let me tell you, there was a lot of bloodshed, and God made His Word available to us. And how sad that many are not willing to sacrifice 30 minutes or maybe even an hour a day just to feast from it in order that we can grow spiritually. Now, I'm a firm believer in the 80-20 principle that it applies to everything within the church. And if the 80-20 principle applies to everything in the church like I do, I believe it does, then what that would tell me is that only 20% of the people within a church spend daily time in their Bible. And we wonder why so many people within our churches are so immature when it comes to their walk with Christ. Why there's no commitment to their ministry. Why there's no commitment to the church. Why there's no commitment to their tithing. Why there's no commitment within their life. It's all because they're not spending time in the Word of God. Look, you want to grow? Spend some time in the Word of God. Can't we just sacrifice 30 minutes? Turn the TV off from wagon train or gun smoke or whatever it is that has you, you know, bound to that. Can't we just sacrifice 30 minutes a day to spend time in the Word of God? How sad for many they can't do that. Look, it's impossible for a person to mature as a Christian. And I'm going to say that again. It's impossible. Okay? For a person to mature as a Christian if they don't sacrifice quality time spent in the Word of God. Quality time spent in the Word of God. You see, many, many don't understand this truth. Many within our churches don't understand this truth. They think they can simply, well, I'm going to open my Bible once or twice a week. I'm, I may read a devotion once or twice a week. Or maybe I'll study my Sunday school lesson on Sunday or Saturday evening, and they think that in some way that's going to make them a spiritual giant. 
a spiritual giant just by opening your Bible once a week or twice a week. Well, well, you know, I, I get those uh, turning point uh, uh, things from Dr. Jeremiah like you do, Pastor, and, and every day I just read that devotion. That's not going to make you a spiritual giant. That's not going to bring you to maturity in Christ. Looking at your Sunday school lesson Saturday night right before you go to bed is not going to make you a spiritual giant. Folks, if we want to be a spiritual giant, if we want to mature in our Christian walk, listen, make the sacrifice to spend some quality time. Everybody say quality. Quality time in the Word of God. Not make it just, well, oh my gosh, it's bedtime, you know, and I, I forgot to read my daily devotion today. Listen to me, that will not cut it. That will not cut it. James has a number of things to say about this topic. So let's take a look and break these verses down. First of all, in verses 16 and 17, we see that every good and perfect gift comes from God. Here's what he says. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Listen, folks, everything God has given to us as his children is not only good. Listen to me. It is perfect. You know, God's gift of Jesus Christ is good and is perfect. God's gift of salvation is good and is perfect. God's gift of a personal relationship with the Father Himself is good and is perfect. And God's gift of His Word is good and is perfect. Listen, this is good. And it's not only good, it is perfect. It's without flaw. And folks, again, God has given us that. God has given us that. Every good and perfect work. Look, and it is this gift of His Word that brings about spiritual growth within our life if we, again, I'm going to say it again, would only sacrifice some quality time in His Word and study it on a daily basis. Now, verses 19 and 20 list three characteristics of a person who is continually in the Word. Now, you understand the word continually means it's ongoing in your life, right? Every day of your life, continually grow, go, reading the Word of God. Here's what he says. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Look at verse 20. For the wrath of man, in other words, if there's always anger in your life, you know, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Now look, for one who spends quality time in the Word of God, they will be swift to listen. They will not only be swift to listen, they will be slow to speak. And not only will they be slow to speak, they will be slow to anger. John, catch up with me there, son. There you go. All right. That, that, these would be the qualities. These would be the characteristics of one's life. They're going to be swift to listen. They're going to listen to the Word of God. They're going to listen to the wisdom of others. They're going to listen to what God is trying to say to them. They're going to be slow to speak. In other words, shut your mouth and listen to God. Isn't it amazing how some people want to tell God how to do His job? 
You know, I told uh, in our Bible study Wednesday night, there's not an opening in the Trinity. Okay, there's not an opening in the Trinity for you to apply for. So if we'll be swift to listen to what God has to say, and if we'll be slow to speak, and if we'll be slow to get angry, folks, we can begin to grow. In Christ, Look, you show me a person who is continually in the Word, and I'll show you a person whom these three, three characteristics are a part of their life. They understand that being quick to listen to words of wisdom will help them grow. They understand that being slow to speak will keep their foot out of their mouth. I need to learn on that one still myself. And by controlling their anger, you know, they'll keep from being in trouble with others. And verse 20 is clear. When we are driven by wrath, we are unrighteous before God. Don't forget that. When we are driven by anger within our life, when anger is dictating the things that we do, the things that we say, the things we listen to or refuse to listen to, folks, we are unrighteous before God. Now remember, we're in chapter 1. And the context is still trials and sufferings within our life. And especially during these times of trials and sufferings that we must continue in the word. Look, it is in the word that we're going to find the strength to make it through the trials of our life. It is in the word that we're going to be able to be slow to getting angry with others or God. And here is what I believe James is saying about listening, speaking, and in anger. Trials require silence. In other words, when you're going through a trial, it, re- it involves you just shutting up and being quiet, okay? And it involves patience because here's the thing. If we lack silence and we lack patience, okay, we begin to talk. Instead of listen. And what happens is, as we begin to talk, if we're talking, we can't hear God. And we begin to run all these things through our mind. And it creates anger within our life. Are you with me so far? I'm going to come back and read this in just a moment after I explain it. And what happens is, anger now inflames talk. In other words, the more angry you get, the more you start flapping your jaws. Okay, to others and to God and whoever will listen. And when we are angry, that distracts us from listening to God. Why? Because we're doing more talking than listening. So let me just read that. Trials require silence and patience because talk inflames anger and anger inflames talk. And when we're angry, that distracts us from listening to God. You can't jabber jaw and listen to God at the same time. You can't do it. Look, now stop and think about it. If we're going through a trial and you begin complaining about the trial instead of listening to God while in the trial, that talk begins to make you mad. And the madder you get, the more you talk. And the more you talk, the more mad you become. Okay? And James is saying that when you're in a trial, here's his key. When you're in a trial, keep your mouth shut, keep your eyes on God's word, and your ears listening to what God is trying to tell you. And that's the problem many have. 
Because once they allow that talk to get them angry, okay, they're no longer listening to God. Because you can't listen to God in anger. What did he say in verse 20? You're unrighteous when anger is controlling your life. Okay, that's what he says here in verse 21. When the word of God is engrafted or implanted in our heart, our souls will be saved. Look at verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness, look at this, the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. The thing is, if, we never, if we're never in the word on a consistent basis, folks, God's word cannot be engrafted within us. It cannot be engrafted within our heart, within our life. It can never become a part of our life. I don't know how many of you have ever grafted, you know, trees, you know, one tree to another tree, uh, you know, take a, a pecan tree and graft a soft shell into, you know. But what happens is when you graft that tree into another type of tree, you know, it actually becomes a part of that tree. Why? Because it's engrafted into it. And folks, that's the same way it works with the Word of God. When we're in the Word of God, when we're studying the Word of God, you know, it, we engraft ourselves. That's what he's talking about there with meekness, the engrafted Word of God. We make it a part of our life. Now, the phrase, able to save your souls, is describing the work of uh, uh, the initial salvation that the Word of God brings within our life. However, it's also talking about the ability to preserve and to mature the Christian's life through trial. We have to make the Word of God a part of our life. And we can't do that if the book is never opened. We can't do that if our nose is not in it. We can't do that. We can't engraft it and make it a part of our life, folks, if we do not spend quality time within the Word of God. Verse 22 through 25, we will never become doers of the Word until the Word is engrafted within our life. You see, we will never understand the, 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 the need to be involved in ministry. We'll never understand the need to, to reach out to others. We'll never understand, you know, what God wants us to do if his word is not engrafted within our hearts. Here's what he says in verse 22. Be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if any man hear, uh, if, if any, if any, uh, be a hearer of the word and not a doer. He's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and he goeth away, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein. What's that word? Continueth therein. Okay? He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed of his deed. Again, don't miss that. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. Therein what? That law. That law that brings us freedom, liberty. That law, the word of God. Whoever continues in that, he's not going to be a forgetful hearer. In other words, he's not going to say, well, I know what the Bible says and that's you know, as far as it goes. No, what's he say? But he's going to be a doer of the work. He's going to be a doer of the work. 
Look, here's the thing. If we're not continually in the Word of God, it will never become engrafted within our life. It'll never be a part of our life. And if it's not engrafted within our life, you know, you know, it's, and it's not a part of our life, you know, it, we will never be able to have God direct us in the place that He would have us to go. And if it's not a part of our life, you know, He'll never be able to direct us in those decision times, the decision-making times, of our life. It's the word of God, folks, that'll direct us in making the right decision within our life. Have you ever made a decision? You was going through a trial, you was going through a temptation, you was going through something in your life, and you made a decision, and boy, after you made that decision, you realize I have messed up. I'm probably the only one that's ever messed up in decision making. But you know what? Did you really spend time in the word before making that decision? Did you really go to God and ask for his help in making that decision? Or was that decision based upon emotions? You know, James Dobson says, your emotions will always lead you wrong. A lot of people disagree with that, but I agree with it. Your emotions will always lead you wrong. Folks, the word of God will never lead you wrong. The word of God will never fail you. So if there's a decision you have to make in life, get in the word of God continually and spend quality time there before making that decision in your life that's just going to blow up on you if you haven't done that. There are a number of things we can see about being a doer compared to a hearer. Let's take a look at these. A person who only hears what the Word of God says but refuses to do what it teaches is fooling no one but themselves. A person who only hears what the Word of God says but refuses to do what it teaches does not even know who they really are. But a person who hears what the word of God says and does what it's teaching is righteous before God and that person is going to be blessed of God look when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ we'll be judged based upon our righteous deeds here on this earth those things the word of God taught us to do that's what we're going to be judged on when you, as a child of God, stands before that beam of seat judgment of Christ. You will be judged based upon your righteous deeds that this book taught you to do. The question is, did you do it? And listen here. It's not going to do you no good to stand before Jesus and say, well, wow, didn't know I was supposed to do that. Because he's liable to look at you and say, it was right there in my word. Well, Lord, I didn't spend time in your word. Bingo. Bingo. Look, when we remove ourselves from God's word, we take ourselves out from um, under his umbrella of protection. If you just want to picture a giant umbrella there with, with, with God's word written on the top of it, and as long as you're under that word, as long as you're spending time in that word, as long as you are following what that word teaches, as long as you're doing what the word teaches you to do, you're protected. But when we remove ourselves from under the umbrella of God's word, we're exposed to the elements. What does the umbrella do when you're carrying an umbrella? It's protecting you from the elements that has fallen, correct? 
Well, if God's umbrella is his word and you step out from under that word, in other words, you close your Bible when you leave here today, you know, there's going to be some who close their Bible just like that and they won't open it again until next Sunday. And if that is your life, you are removing yourself from under the umbrella of God's word and you will be exposed to every element Satan chooses to throw your way. And you know who's going to have to deal with it? You, by yourself, until you get back in the word, until you get back under the word, so to speak. Look, it's through God's word, coupled with prayer and coupled with righteous deeds, that we find the strength to make it through trials and sufferings on a daily basis. And when we remove ourselves from either word, prayer, or righteous deeds, you know, our chances of coming through those trials are slim to none. The next thing, a person is unable, uh, unable to control their tongue is a person who is not engrafted in God's word. Look at verse 26 and 27. If any man among you, now I want you to see these next words, seem to be religious. Okay, does that mean they are? No, it means they're putting on a show. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, in other words, they're always out there gossiping about something, gossiping about someone. In other words, they can't control that tongue. They've got to be talking about somebody. He deceives his own heart. This man's religion is in vain. Pure religion, verse 27 says, is undefiled before God, and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless, the widows, in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the word, the world. In other words, doing what the Scripture teaches. Not just being a hearer, but you're out there, you know, you know, visiting the fatherless, taking care of the widows, helping those in affliction, helping those in need. You're doing what the Word teaches not just hearing. James is saying here, no matter how religious a person may seem, if they are habitually unable to control their tongue, they're merely deceiving themselves. No matter how religious a man may seem, if they're habitually under, uh, uh, unable to control their tongue, you know, all their religious acts are in vain. And if pure religion acts involves ministering to others, Pure religious acts, pure religion, truly serving Jesus Christ involves ministering to others. That's what he's saying in verse 27. Look, it's not what you say. It's not how you say it. It's not how you portray yourself as someone or how good you look. It's all about doing for others that count. And if you're not spending quality time in work, the Word of God, folks, it makes, no diff uh, it makes it difficult for the Holy Spirit to direct you in your ministry. If you're not in Word, it makes it difficult. This, this would make a good song. Uh, trials dark on every hand, we cannot understand all the ways that God would lead us to the blessed promise. Would that make a good song? I think it is one. For those who don't know. But look at this verse. Trials dark on every hand. Do we have trials in our life? Amen. 
that we cannot understand. All the ways that God would lead us to that blessed promised land. In other words, remove us from the trial to the place he has for us. But we're trusting in the Lord. And I want everybody to read that in red underlined. Read it. Oh, according to what? His word. We'll understand it better by and by. Do you want to understand the trial you're going through this morning? Get in the word. Do you want to understand what God is trying to teach you through that trial? Get in the word. Do you want to make it through that trial? Get in the word. Now, who determines if you're going to get in the word or not? You, me, myself. Okay? I am going to determine, again, get a picture of the umbrella. I am going to determine to move out from under that umbrella, back under it, in order for the word to protect me from what Satan is throwing my way. Look, it's the result of our being in his word that we're going to be able to understand, okay? And that we'll be able to allow him to carry us through any and all trials that we may go through in this life. Look, the perfect word that God gave as a gift to us is of no avail if we choose to not spend time in it. Don't miss that. The perfect word, remember everything is good and perfect that comes from God, right? The perfect word that God gave you, okay, as a gift, is to no avail to you, folks, if you do not spend time in it. If you do not spend time in it. Scripture study makes for a mature Christian. I want to leave you with a couple of questions. Are you involved? In continual study of God's word. Just answer that question to yourself and be honest. Because I put it, I, I said there, continual study. That means every day of your life. That you sacrifice at least 30 minutes a day. My gosh, you know. Uh, surely we can sacrifice 30 minutes a day. But are you willing to? Are you willing to is the question. If not, those trials and sufferings that's going to come upon you, whether it's trial sufferings or temptation sufferings that we looked at last week, they're going to be very difficult, if not impossible, for you to make it through. You remember when Jesus was in the desert being tempted of Satan and going through his time of temptation trials? Yeah, Everybody remember that story? How did he make it through those difficult times in his life? Did he just look at Satan and say, hey, I'm a child of God. You can't, you can't touch me. Is that how Jesus dealt with it? Anybody remember how he dealt with it? It is written. Three times he told the devil, it is written. What did he mean by that? He meant the word of God says this. He meant the word of God directs my life. 
He meant the Word of God. I know the Word of God. The Word of God is part of my life. The Word of God is engrafted within me. Satan, you can't touch me, not because I'm a child of God, but because I'm engrafted in the Word of God. Look, if you're never in the Word, you can't use the Word to fight the trials and the temptations that Satan is going to bring your way. So if you're going through a temptation trial this morning, if you're going through a suffering trial this morning, and you say, I just don't see how I am going to get through this. You don't have many people that comes to my office and says, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, Brother Jimmy. I ask them how often they're in the Word. And every person that's ever come to me and said that, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. When I ask them how often they're in the Word, it's not very often at all. And how sad. How sad. Are you in the Word this morning? You know, again, I would be willing to say, again, I'm back to the 80-20 principle. I just love the 80-20 principle. I would be willing to say that 80% of you in here this morning are going through something in your life and you're questioning God. You're trying to make it through it, but you're trying to make it through it on your own. You're trying to make it through it without the word of God. What word? That perfect word that he gave to you. That he gave to you in order to hang on to it, to depend upon it, to get you through whatever it is you're going through. And if you're not willing to sacrifice some time in the true word of God and begin maturing in your walk, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. We have to trust his word. We have to trust him. Let's pray.